our lives forward. And this series, I believe, will challenge you and give you some direction on how to move your life forward. Let's start in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll read for you verses 8 through 10. Are you ready? God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Did you realize that you are God's masterpiece? That God created you with purpose and intent in mind? And that every day of your life, like the hands of a skilled artist, he is shaping you into a masterpiece. Some people just succumb to being the person they have become and never make a conscious effort to move their lives forward and to make any personal changes. As a result, they accept far less. And they take the easy road rather than taking the challenge of making personal changes. One year follows another, and they're pretty much the same, never ever really moving forward and dealing with things in their lives, making their life better. And so year after year, you're the same person, the same Christian, the same husband, the same employer or employee, and life just goes into a stationary mode, and you can, you can stay there for years, or you can take the challenge of making changes that move your life forward and becoming the person you've always really wanted to be. You see, there's a better me than the one you see today. Deep in me, I know that I can be a better person. Deep in me, I know there's a better me than the one you see right now. And so again this year, I have set my mind to make changes and become the person that I want to be and the person that God created me to be. It's a process. How much easier it is just to um, blame others for life, from your parents that raised you, to the spouse you live with, to your children, to the job, or whatever it is. It's far easier just to blame others. Expect them to make all the changes rather than look yourself in the eye and say, I need to change this about me. The fact is we talk about changing the world when some of us cannot even change the smallest factor about ourselves. So how can I change the world? How can I impact others if I cannot come to grips with changes that I know I need to make? You see, it's up to me to become God's best version of me. The best person that I can be entirely depends on me. Without making excuses or blaming others, not even blaming God, it's up to me to become God's masterpiece. 
A masterpiece is a work done with extraordinary skill, especially a supreme uh, intellectual or artistic achievement. The world is, has many masterpieces uh, that are of extreme, if not infinite, value, crafted by men and women that had extraordinary skills and abilities, and their product is amazed even after hundreds, if not thousands, of years. A few years ago, Renee and I visited Florence, Italy, and we stood before one of the world's greatest masterpieces. In 1501, Michelangelo was commissioned to build um, a statue of David. Today, that statue is considered the world's greatest masterpiece one of the most invaluable objects of art we have in the world today. Here's a picture of the upper portion. I'd show it all to you. It's a full-length statue, and he's very naked, so I cut the bottom off. But for two years, the master, Michelangelo, who may be considered the greatest art artist of all times, hammered, chiseled, carved and polished on the marble statue that ultimately would be a masterpiece. For two years, every day, he carefully crafted it. He started with a rectangular block of marble that weighed over six tons, cut out of the mountain and brought to his studio. He just gradually began to chip and carve and polish until over time David emerged. If I had looked at that solid block of marble weighing more than six tons, I wouldn't have seen little more than a big block of marble. But David, but Michelangelo saw something in the block that I could have never seen. He realized that with the skill of his own hands, the imagination of his mind, that inside that block was a masterpiece. Inside that block was a work of art that would stand for hundreds of years and impact the world with his artistic beauty. When God looks at us or we look at ourselves in the mirror, sometimes it's like looking at that block of marble. It doesn't have the slightest resemblance to the masterpiece that God has in mind. But over time, and the willingness of the marble to yield to the skilled hands of the workman, a, work, a, 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 a masterpiece can emerge. So we're all God's masterpieces. And he sees in me things I cannot see. He sees in th me things others cannot see. And he believes that with the skill of his divine hands, that he can help craft and mold and shape me into something that is noteworthy and of great value. So the Word of God teaches us to believe in the skill of God's hand and to yield to his will and let the masterpiece that he saw in us before we created come into existence. It's a joint effort. Right now, we are a work in progress. Somewhere along that two-year-plus period of time, 
the block of solid marble began to slowly conform and vaguely looked like the image of a man. And the longer he worked, the more it looked like a man and the more beautiful it became. We are a work in progress. Ladies, your husband is a work in progress. Gentlemen, your wife is a work in progress. God's not finished with her yet. Don't give up on it. It might take a little more time, but she's still a masterpiece and a gift from God. Your children are God's workmanship. They're masterpieces in the making. And this process goes from the time that God imagined us before we were ever conceived in our mother's womb and continues right to the point that we breathe our last and we're presented to God. It's a work in progress. And again, I say that it's a joint, pro a joint venture. God doesn't do it alone. He needs our help. We have to conform to his will. We have to yield ourselves to him. It takes effort. It takes time. And it takes real determination. And I hope that that's some of the things that I can inspire in you today. So there is this gap between the person I am today and the person I want to be. How can I bridge that gap? How can I move from what I am today to what I want to be tomorrow? The first thing it's going to take is intentionality. You know, I'm not just going to suddenly have another birthday, and on that birthday, I'm great. Or just wake up one morning and be what I want to be. It's not going to happen like poof, magic, A, B, C, one, two, three, and suddenly you're there. It's a day-by-day -day effort. It's a yielding to the will of God. It's dealing with life on God's basis. And allowing God to mold and shape us, to chisel and carve and polish. It involves stress and strain and some pain. But in the end, we can be the people that God wants us to be. We can be masterpieces. Intentionality. I believe that there is a space between the real and the ideal. In every area of my life, there's the real and the ideal, and there's always space in between. Renee and I have a marriage that will celebrate 41 years here in just another few weeks. It's a great marriage, a wonderful marriage, a strong marriage. It's not the ideal marriage. It's real, but it's not ideal. And so every year we reach for the ideal. I live in the real, but I reach for the ideal. In every area of your life, not just your relationships, but your walk with God and your career and your family, you're living in the real, but you're reaching for the ideal. And so I want to encourage you, don't stop reaching for the ideal. It's in the reaching that moves your life forward. It's in the never quitting, never giving up, and never accepting what is, but always striving for more that keeps your life moving forward and keeps the masterpiece emerging from inside of you. I believe that world changers start by making personal changes. People that make a big impact 
and positively influence other lives is because they have made changes and alterations and conformed to the will of God in their life, and that's what ultimately results in changing others. It's easier for you and for me just to expect others to change. I, meet, I talk with unhappy people all the time, and the solution for their unhappiness is someone else's change. If my boss would stop or start this, if my wife would quit this or start that, if my husband would start doing this with me, if my children would just, if my parents would quit, I mean, it's always someone else is a solution to their lives. I find that to be such a weak and futile position to take. Never give your life and your health and your happiness to someone else, but place it on your own shoulders and say, I'm the one that must make the changes to become the person I want to be and therefore to live the kind of life I want to live. Most actions are reactions. Most of the things that our wives do are reactions to what we have done. And so when we make changes in what we do, then automatically the reaction has to change. When you learn that principle in life, you stop blaming others and expecting others to fix your problems and fix your life, and you start taking responsibility for yourself. And that's a good thing. It's so easy to blame others. Well, I would, but, and I can't help it because it's not my fault that, and it's always someone else. And so we blame others. Maybe we blame God. But God help us to stop the blame game. It's not that others have not done you wrong and others have not made it hard for you. It's not that. It's just that blaming them is not the solution. Blaming them is not going to get you where you want to go. So please don't blame others. Just take responsibility for your life today and say, what's it going to take for me to move my life forward with the help and grace of God? Don't blame others. What areas of your life would you might like to change? Well, what about spiritual health and strength? I believe that from my walk with God, the strength I need to live every every to live out every other area of my life comes, my walk with God. Um, nobody can get saved for you. You're not saved because your family were saved or your parents were good folks. Everybody has to get saved for themselves. Everybody has a spiritual life, a spiritual walk with God, and it's wonderful and helpful to have spiritual people around you. Obviously, it makes it life a lot easier and a lot better. But at the end of the day, uh, no one can do it you. And if you want to move your head spiritually, you have to do things to make that happen. Again, it's not like one day you're just going to wake up spiritually, full of faith, full of the Word of God. I mean, these things have to be put in you, and you have to develop that. It takes time. And uh, if you want to move ahead in your walk with God, do something to make that happen. Do something to initiate it and to start the process. You know, our life is the sum total of our habits, and um, I always encourage people to change habits starting small. Uh, the, the muscle you build to change big things in your life is built while you're changing little things, and if you can't change little habits, 
that may be annoying and may not be good and what you want, how can you dig deeper and change other bigger things that may be very destructive in your life? So pick a small habit that has somewhat reduced consequences and develop the muscle you need by changing that small habit. When you address bigger things in your life, you'll have the skill and the strength to change the bigger things. So let me just challenge you this morning. Pick one small habit you would like to break. And then pick one better habit you would like to create by Mother's Day. Don't pick something huge and big. Just pick something small and say, you know what? I'm going to change this, and and in changing this about me, I'm going to develop the strength so that I can continue to move my life forward. But if I can't change the smallest, simplest things, I might be helpless in the larger things. So pick one small habit that you would like to change before Mother's Day. It takes roughly 60 days to really break a habit and create a new one. So break an old habit and create a new habit and move your life forward in this way. And um, wives, resist the temptation to make suggestions to your husband. (laughs) Resist that temptation. Get behind me, Satan, right? You know, this is something that you have to decide on your own. Now, after you've made the decision, it's good to get back up and support. It's great to have a support team around you that will help you to follow through and to to get it done. But it has to be something that you decide and you make on your own. Another area outside of the spiritual health and strength would be relationships. Are there habits that are hindering your relationships. Good marriages are made up of good habits. Bad ones, the opposite. And sometimes just breaking one little bad habit in your marriage and creating one better habit in your marriage can transform everything. In every other relationship with life, the relationship with those you work with, a relationship with your neighbor or your friends, A relationship with other people around you can be radically changed by just making small adjustments in your own self and automatically creates a a new response. So the second area would be relationships. A third area would be physical health. We're all concerned about our health. We want to be healthy and strong. For the first 40 or 45 years of my life, health was pretty much a given. After that, I had to work a little harder on it. How much better it would be if I'd started early focusing on my health and stayed strong longer. So I want to encourage you in the area of your physical health. You know, if you're trying to achieve something, if you have a health goal that you're trying to achieve, the strength you gain from achieving that health goal, you'll be able to use in every other area of your life. I've found that people that control, can control their diet, their exercise, and their sleeping patterns, they have the same strength in other areas of their life. But if a person is out of control and helpless in the area of diet, exercise, and sleep patterns, then inevitably, if you look in other areas of their life, they're still out of control. 
Another error would be finances. Good habits lead to financial security. Bad habits lead to poverty. What are the habits that you have that you would like to improve on and make better? I'm challenging you today. Environment. Environment is a big thing for us. You know, all of us have environments that we are comfortable in. For instance, if I, go in, if I had to live in a home and, and be in a place that was real sterile, real clean, real straight, real neat, I mean, just like perfect, I mean, I could go there and have a conversation, but after a while, I want to get somewhere I can take my shoes off and, and relax a little bit. I don't want an environment that is extremely sterile, extremely stiff, extremely formal. But at the same time, I can't live in junk and mess, clutter and chaos. I'm just about as miserable in one or the other. So somewhere along that scale, I get to the place where, okay, this is, this is a good environment here. This is me. I'm good, you know. I'm, I'm not too stiff, but it's, it's not a wreck either. There's a lot of people that because they can't control their environment, it's reducing the quality of their life. It affects their mentality and the way they respond to the whole world. You know why? Because it affects the way they see themselves. When my garage is a wreck, it changes the way I see myself. If my truck is not clean and it's filthy and dirty and I hadn't got to it yet, it changes the way I see myself. I'm not happy with me. If I'm broke and I've spent all my money, I'm not happy with me. I don't see myself the same. And so when you clean up your environment and you correct your environment, you get it where you are happy with you, where you feel good about yourself. A mother that's got four or five children, her house probably isn't as neat and clean as the lady whose grandkids come on Saturday for a few hours. So the, the, the bar goes up and down. The standard has to change. A mom can only keep a house so clean when she's got a bunch of rugrats around her. I mean, you know, there's only, so you've got to kind of raise the bar to the season you're in in life and what's going on. But the point is, when you get it set, if you live at that level, you're happier. You feel better about yourself. You just enjoy your life more. I just want to, I don't want to stay here too long. I'm just going to tell you that environment is really important when it comes to happiness. Your environment. God help us to make tweaks in environment. And there's all kind of environments. I illustrated with a few, but just think that through. How can you change your life by ordering your environment? Career. Career is very important. Many of you here today are in college and, and training and pursuing your career. Others are somewhere involved in a career. Some of you are looking for a career. You know, whatever that is. Uh, you know, God wants to move your life forward. He wants to help you with that. He loves you. He cares about you. It's very difficult for a man to uh, feel himself a man if his career is not moving, if he's not going somewhere, if he's not getting somewhere, if he doesn't feel himself climbing the ladder and making progress, achieving his goals. Uh, that's true about a woman. I think it might be a little exaggerated in a man. Uh, maybe not, but uh, men need a career. They need something that they bring to the, the table, something that generates income, something that makes them feel like a man. If you ask a man, uh, who is he? He'll tell you what he does with his hands or his mind, how he makes a living. 
because there's something close to the, the man with what he does with who he is. It, they're almost inseparable. And so, um, you know, moving your life forward is about a career move, progress, training, and feeling like you're going somewhere uh, in your career. So I want to encourage you uh, to move forward in those areas. God has a plan, and he wants to help you do that, but he won't do it by himself. What does it take to become God's masterpiece? First of all, it takes a very deep desire, deep desire. Um, we can get satisfied with where we are and feel like, hey, we're pretty good people. We got a pretty good life. We got a pretty good this and a pretty good that. And I'm kind of good with everything now. Okay, you know, I'm all right. And just kind of get satisfied and life seems to stop right there. Or we can get sick and tired of being who we are and living the life we're living and just say, you know, I want some things to change. I don't know about you, but I woke up on January the 1 of this year saying, you know, some stinking things I want to change about this year. Some, some things I'm just sick of that. And it's not like the end of the world. It's just I don't want that anymore. I want something to change. And, and if you're going to move forward in your life, you want to be the person that, that you've always dreamed of being, you've got to get sick and tired of certain aspects of your person. You've got to say, you know what, I'm just tired of that. I, I want this to change, and I'm taking responsibility for it, and I'm going to change my personal culture, and I'm going to make some changes in this area of my life. It takes a lot of desire. It also takes God. You just can't do it by yourself. That chunk of marble that became David, the masterpiece, it took the master. It, it took an artist of extreme ability to make that happen. And so you and I need God. Jesus said it like this, without me, you can do nothing. And that's a good verse to just have in your thinking. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. That's a big, strong statement. But then later, Paul would come back and say this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So without him, I can do nothing. But with him, I can do whatever needs to be done. Can you say amen? amen. So first you need a desire. Secondly, to be, have God in your life. Thirdly is you need self-control. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit is the effect that the Holy Spirit has on me because he lives in me. It has this effect on my life. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in me is the fruit of the Spirit. And there are nine of them that Paul lists to the Galatians. How many of you remember what the ninth fruit of the Spirit is? Self-control. So one of the effects of the Holy Spirit living in me is self-control. So I need a strong desire. I need God. And I need the Holy Spirit to produce self-control in me. You know, when your life is out of control, it's because you are out of control. And you're not out of control by other people. You're out of control of yourself. 
So the Holy Spirit comes into us and he gives us the ability to say no and yes. Right now or wait. Whatever the case is, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to control ourselves, control our thoughts, control our desires, to control our mouths, to control our desires, our cravings, physically, emotionally, and physically, to help us do the best thing for the moment and the situation. So if you feel like, you know, I want to do it, but man, I just can't hardly make myself do it, and maybe I do it right for a a little bit, and then I'm suddenly back doing it wrong again. Say, Father, you gave me the Holy Spirit, and you promised that when he lived in my heart that I would have self-control, that I would not be just uncontrolled, but I could choose to do the right thing. You know, the Bible is so candid. It doesn't hide a lot. It doesn't spin anything. It's just straightforward. One of those passages is given to us from the Apostle Paul who said this, when I want to do good, when I really know what's right and I want to do what's right, he said, evil is present. And he said, sometimes when I want to do good, I don't do what's good. So he was real candid with us that sometimes you can really want to do the right thing, really know what the right thing is, but not have the strength and the power to get it done. The Holy Spirit is given to us to help us do the right thing. So we need a strong desire, we need God, and we need self-control. Fourthly, we need some kind of an image of the me I want to be. We have some kind of idea of what we're, what we're working toward. You know, Michelangelo saw the end before he began. And somehow we need to begin to see things that we want to do and be in places we want to go personally before we ever start. You can't just randomly say, I'm going to change. You have to have something you want to change into, you want to become. So I encourage you to spend some time and just think about what you want to be. Break it down. Make it piece by piece. And get an image in your mind. Michelangelo was obviously one of the great uh, art, artists of the, of the entire human history. One of the men that was contemporary with him, slightly younger, was uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And of course he did a, a lot of amazing things. And um, he was commissioned to paint... Um, an oil portrait. And he sat there for day after day just looking at the blank canvas. The people that had commissioned him and it was paying his salary to get that work done kept saying, okay, get started. Like, chop, chop, you're on the clock. And he just kept staring at the blank and staring at the blank and staring at the blank until one day he had a picture of it in his mind and he picks up the brush and starts to paint the masterpiece. If you don't take time and, and just seek the Lord about what you want to be and what you want to do and just let the picture, the image form in your mind, you can just live in a rat race world and go from here to there and never really arrive at the place you want to be. You know, I often tell people to set a time side to seek the Lord. 
Two to three days is really good. Longer is even better. But go to a a place where you can have some solitude, some quietness. Let family members respect what you're doing. Let it be a part of your family that this is a time when I want to go and I want to pray and I want to seek the Lord and I want the Lord to put an image in me, an image in my mind that that I I can see what I need to do and start working in that direction. You need to have an image. You need to have an ideal. You need to have a goal. It's got to be something tangible in, in whatever area of life you want to change in. You've got to have something tangible that you're reaching for. So you've got to have an image in your mind. Secondly, you need a plan. You need a road map. You need a systematic approach. You know, um, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And uh, that's kind of the way life works. It's just one bite at a time. It's one step. It's one small, uh, one small step forward at a time. And before you know it, you'll be there. But you do need a plan. You need a road map. Uh, you need a systematic approach to what you want to do. It's always important for me to put time goals with it. So that like, you know, by... The first of the month or the end of the month or by Easter or by Mother's Day or by the summertime or by the end of the year. There's always got to be some date attached to it. Unfortunately, we seem to be as a whole, not everyone's this way, but we seem to be the kind of people that we need a deadline to get things done. How many of you found out you get more done when you got a deadline than when you don't? You know, we just tend to procrastinate and put it off. But you give me a deadline, and I'll meet my deadline every time. But if you don't give me a deadline, I probably won't get it done. And, and most of us are that way to one degree or the other. So when you're making your plan, always put some deadlines on there. Put some goals on there. You'll look up, and the year will be over, and, and you won't have gotten anything done. You'll be looking at another year. So make a plan. Six, you've got to get really committed if, if you go about this casually, it's not going to work. Just not going to work. you got to get really committed. And, you know, no one can force you to do this. Your husband can't force you to do it. Your wife, your boss, your pastor, your parents. Nobody can force you to do this. There's got to be something in you that says, I am going to do this. It's not about anybody else. I am going to do this by the help and grace of God. And it's going to take, number seven, real determination. Real determination. Real determination. Because life just keeps happening. And everything is in a pattern. And everybody's doing what they're always done. And you're trying to be different. And it takes real determination. And let's say that you decide to break a habit that isn't the one you want. And so you break that habit for a day or two or three or a week, and then boom, you're right back into doing the way you always have done it. So easy to fall back in that groove. Let me encourage you this to do this. Just get up and start again. Uh, just about every time I break a habit, at some point I fall back, and I have to regroup and start all over again. Just, just know that when you're breaking habits, you tend to fall off the wagon. Get back on the wagon. Be determined. Don't beat yourself up because you fell off the proverbial wagon. Just get up and get back on the wagon. Be determined. Don't give up. And don't quit until you get there. There's nothing better than the feel 
that I'm moving my life forward and I'm becoming the person that I've always wanted to be. So Michelangelo saw the masterpiece, David, inside a rough-hewn six-ton block of marble. God sees a masterpiece in you. Even when you cannot see it yourself and those around you cannot see it, God sees it in you. You're still God's masterpiece and He's working on you. The me you see is not the me I'm going to be. There's a better me than the one you see. And I hope that every time you see me, I'm a little closer to being the man I really want to be. And I hope I see that new man emerging in each one of you as well. So break the old habit. Create a new one. It's not too late to be the person you've always wanted to be. I'm going to ask you to close your Bibles now. Thank you for giving me this time to share with you today. May I ask you to bow your heads and just have a moment of privacy? I believe that under the sound of my voice today, there are people that have never really given their lives to Christ. And today in His presence, you feel the weight of who you are, the person you become, your own sin and your own failure. God wants to purge your conscience. Lift any guilt and shame that you may feel. Give you a brand new start in life. It's no accident that you're here today. Your heavenly Father loves you so much, He guided your steps to His door. His arms are open. He's been waiting for you. He loves you. He wants to forgive you and bring you into His family give you a fresh new start in life if you're here today please don't leave until you've given your heart and life to Christ if perhaps you've made that commitment at some earlier time but things have happened and you haven't really ended up where you plan to be by now this is a good chance for you to get back on the road get back in the middle of God's will where you can feel his strength and power and his love behind you, his approval let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen, you probably already know this but there's nothing like the approval of God if you were raised without the affirmation of a father you know what a huge void that is in your life only God can fill that void if you were raised without the affirmation of parents and people around you, the affirmation of God is far greater. I want to encourage you to give your heart to the Lord and feel His affirmation. He's with you. He loves you. He's on your side. If you're here today and as I've been talking, you've thought about things 
that you really want to change. Maybe there's one or two things uppermost in your mind. Grace is God's power and His desire to do His will. And today there is a grace for you so you can get it done. You say, Pastor, I've tried and tried and I just can't get it done. With grace, all things are possible. With grace, you can do what you could never do on your own. There's a touch of God's grace here for you today. If there's some things you want us to change, He's here to help you. His grace is sufficient. There might be someone in a relationship, a marriage, that really there's changes on both sides that need to be made. Stop the blame game, pointing fingers at one another. Just humble your heart and say, Honey, I'm going to be different by the help and grace of God. Reconcilers aren't trying to prove themselves right. They humble their hearts and submit and accept responsibility. So I want to pray for marriages today. Thank you, Father. quiet moment like this, the Holy Spirit can speak to your heart so profoundly. I believe that's what's happening in this atmosphere. Father, we thank you for a blanket of grace that you have stretched over this congregation. Thank you, Lord, that you have come near to each and every one of us individually. We respond to you with faith, humility. We ask you, Lord, to give us the grace we need to do the things that is before us. I pray, Lord, for a spirit of understanding to come upon us, that as we live out this coming week, that we would have moments of realization. When a spirit of understanding causes us to understand things and know things that we previously could not grasp, a moment of realization, a spirit of understanding, when suddenly we know what we need to do, we start to see cause and effect, and we have a grace to change our behavior, our attitudes. Lord, I thank you for this. I release it with, my, with the words of my mouth on your people. Thank you, Lord, for your strength and your grace. We're trusting in you. Without you, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you that Christ is here today. I'm going to take a moment and talk to those of you that are watching online. Thank you for joining us today. And this word has been very much for you. I hope you've received it. And I trust that you're feeling the same nearness of God 
that we're feeling here in this house. Thank you for joining us. That prayer was for you. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to come forward right now. And if you need prayer ministry for anything, for any reason, come forward. I have some wonderful people here that love God, know the Bible, know how to pray, can touch God in your behalf. So if you'll come down, ask anyone you choose to pray with you. You don't have to tell us intimate things, personal things. Give us general categories, whatever you want to do, and uh, we'll pray with you. Uh, these people are trained and well able to pray for whatever you need help concerning. They'll touch God in your behalf. So all you have to do is come down, uh, and either one of them will be happy to pray for you. You may stand now, and if you need prayer or ministry, come down. The altar is open. It's for everyone. It's not about church membership. It's for everyone. If you want to give your life to Christ, come down and ask any of these people. I'd like to give my life to Christ. That's all you've got to say. I'm coming back to him. Please pray for me that they'll take it from there. Let's stand everyone. God bless you. And if you need prayer or ministry, come forward right now. Whoever you are, you're welcome here in this altar. People are starting to come. Young men, young women are coming, and um, there's room for you here here in this altar. We'll be here to pray for as long as anyone needs prayer. I'm going to pray a blessing over you now, and then you may go to your homes. May the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. May goodness and mercy follow you. May the joy of the Lord be your strength and the Holy Spirit be your guide. I pray that you would have beautiful moments in God this very week. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for being here today, especially our guests. And if you need prayer ministry, come forward right now.